One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. your Bible today. We're going to continue the series that we've been in uh, for a, a number of weeks that we're calling Counterculture. And we are really talking about uh, what is the culture uh, that God is calling us to be a part of. Uh, not the culture just of the world around us, but really the culture of the kingdom. And all of this message really flows out of uh, the, the core message that Jesus came to bring which was not, believe in me, and you can go to heaven when you die, and in the meantime, just kind of show up at church on occasion, read your Bible on occasion, keep your salvation intact. Those things are good, but that's not what Jesus said. He he, he said, repent or, or change your thinking because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that was Jesus' primary message. Yes, there is the incredible expectation that when this life is over, we have eternity in the fullness of the kingdom of God. But I don't know about you, I I don't want to wait until then to experience what God has for me. How many of you are glad that we get a little bit of, we have the fullness to come, but we can have a foretaste now? That's why as we're worshiping today, we're singing, your kingdom come, your will be done. What are we saying? God, where there's there's, uh, fighting, where there's war, where there's suffering, let there be peace. Where there's sickness, let there be healing and help. Where there's division and fighting and anger, uh, let let there be uh, that that peace that would come into our hearts. That's what we're praying, the, the kingdom of God coming here on earth. And so we've been talking about what does it look like to live life in the kingdom of God. Last week, Nate brought an incredible message. How many of you appreciate Nate's word last week? He brought an awesome message um, on the purpose. What's the purpose that that, uh, God has called us to? And ultimately, it is that we would influence the world around us, that we would be salt, uh, a preservative, that we would be distinct from the world around us, that we would be light in the world. That means this, that God doesn't just save us for us. I don't know if you realize that, but God's got a purpose for us bigger than us. He's got a purpose for us that we would change the world around us. Regardless of what sphere God has put you in, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a business person, whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, whether you're a a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, whatever sphere of life God has put you in, he's put you there to bring his kingdom, to change the world. You know, sometimes we look at what other people are doing. You know, we can think, wow, look at that. Um, You know, uh, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, they're putting, putting men on Mars. Well, that is awesome. But I, I don't know about you, I'd rather have a restoration plan than an evacuation plan. I'd rather see the kingdom of God come on earth than everybody try to move to Mars. This isn't in my notes, this is just a random thought, okay? But here's the problem, if we move to Mars, we're still there. And so we need God to transform our hearts. Not that I spend a whole lot of time thinking about moving to Mars. It just came to my brain, okay? But God is wanting to bring heaven to earth through our lives. And uh, that's why I'm so excited uh, about our building project. Not because it's just about a building, but it's about being a blessing to the world around us. 
I'm already envisioning as we are on Lee Road the impact that we're going to make in that community. I'm already envisioning, and I hope you are too, the transformation that's going to come in that community. Where there's brokenness, there'd be healing. Where there's depression, there'd be joy. Where there's, where there's uh, poverty, that there would be an abundance, that the kingdom of God would come. And uh, in all honesty, we've just had some incredible favor already um, in that community. Uh, this week in our morning prayer meeting, which by the way, if you're free uh, on Wednesday mornings, we've got prayer on Zoom uh, at 6.30 and then prayer at the future open house at 7 a.m. But this week uh, in prayer, the, uh, I think the president of the Kingswood Manor Neighborhood Association uh, saw the cars there and, and came in to kind of find out what was happening. And uh, she's a community activist, community leader in that little neighborhood. And she came in, and uh, Matt and Brad ended up praying for her. And she left. I ran into her as she was leaving, and she was so excited about what we're doing. And uh, she said, I've got to connect you with my son. Uh, I need to connect you with some other people in this community. And I just thought, wow, that is awesome. Uh, I, I've been invited this week to um, the Lee Road Safe Neighborhood Core Meeting, which is a group of people that get together to talk about how to make the neighborhood better. How many of you think the church should be in that place? Amen? And uh, in fact, next week I got invited. This is just like God's favor. It's not anything that I've done, but I got invited to the uh, county commissioners meeting uh, to pray a blessing over the county commissioners. That's a good thing. And they said, we want you to share what you guys are doing. I said, I, how, how does this happen? It's just God's favor. It's God's blessing. He's putting us on that, in that place, not just so that we can have an easier time having church on Sundays, although I'm grateful for that. He's putting us in that place so that we can be a light in the darkness, so that we can impact the world around us. I, I want to see that area of Lee Road become an area that is known as not, uh, you know, this kind of a, um, you know, pass through it quickly kind of an area, but an area where people want to go because it's a beautiful area. And, and not just because of civic planning, urban planning, but because of the presence of God that brings hope and light and joy. And so that's really what Nate was talking about last week, our purpose. And I want to continue today uh, talking about how do we become a counterculture community. And I want to talk today about the law. Now, I know when you woke up this morning, you probably didn't think, I hope Justin talks about the law today, because I think that would be super encouraging to me. Uh, you probably didn't wake up thinking, I hope he talks about the Old Testament and the, you know, the, the rules of the Old Testament, because I, I really feel that will be helpful to where I'm at in, in the challenges in my life. Uh, but whether you wanted me to or not, I am today because we're getting to this passage of Scripture. So if you're taking notes today, uh, you can call this message the law of the land, the law of the land. And I want to pray as we prepare to go to the Scripture, and uh, let's invite the Lord to come and speak to us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, uh, your word is spirit and it is life. And Jesus, we want to posture our hearts humbly before you as we come to your word today. Father, we thank you that even on this Labor Day weekend, God, you're doing a work in us. And Father, we want to hear your truth in a world that is filled with opinions, in a world that is filled with 
all kinds of arguments, God, we pray that your truth would cut through it. And Father, we pray that this would be more than information, but God, that it would become revelation, Lord, that brings transformation to our hearts, to our lives, so that we could change the world around us. Help us today, we pray. Speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read at verse 17, and it says this, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want to get back to that passage of Scripture in just a moment, but I, I want to kind of draw a picture in your mind this morning. And I want you to imagine with me, um, perhaps that you're driving down the road. I've got a little picture that may help to evoke this feeling. You're driving down the road on a beautiful, sunny day, open road, and uh, you are just, you know, pedal to the metal. You're just uh, living life in the fast lane, having a good time. You're looking down at your, you know, your, your Spotify playlist or your Apple Music playlist, and you're just getting that, you know, getting the, the, the music dialed in just right. And just about the time you look up from your device, uh, you see the blue lights in the mirror behind you. How, how many of you know that feeling? Yeah, how, how, who, who's experienced that before? The flashing blue lights behind you, and and you, some of you, wow, you have never experienced that. Um, you, I think we've all we all can relate to that and that sinking feeling. And so you know, in that moment, you have a split second decision. You can continue to press down even harder on the gas pedal and head down the road and keep going to Mexico where you'll spend the rest of your life as a taxi driver in Acapulco. <laughs> or you can pull over to the side of the road. And uh, so you pull over to the side of the road. The officer comes up, asks for your license and registration. And he says, uh, sir, ma'am, uh, I've been following you for the last mile. And you have been swerving back and forth. You've, been crossing, you've, you've crossed the, the yellow line multiple times. And so you take your ticket and you move on. Now, I think that's probably what most of us would do. We would not take the Mexico option. We'd pull over, right? And the, the fact is that although we may not like that feeling, we don't, none of us like the feeling of getting in trouble. None of us like the feeling uh, of, you know, uh, having the, being pulled over by the police or getting a ticket or any of those things. None of us like that feeling but I think all of us would agree that we would not want to live in a place where there is no law. Yeah. Uh, although we don't like the feeling, we recognize that the law is good. In fact, if you think about it, that little yellow line that you just got a ticket for 
crossing uh, is, although it's just a little strip of paint, that may be the, the only difference for you between life and death. Have you ever driven down a, a divided highway and, you know, it's, uh, or it's not divided, I guess it's just a, two, you know, two-way highway, and there's traffic coming in both ways, and you're going 50 or 60 miles an hour, and the traffic the other way is going 50 or 60 miles an hour, and you think to yourself, boy, I hope they don't come over in my lane. Have you ever experienced that? In that moment, we would all say, I love the line. I love the line. Thank God for the line. I mean, if there was no lines and everybody just goes, you know what, I, I feel like driving on this side of the road today. I think I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to go over here and then I'm going to go over there. Some of you may drive that way even with the lines, but we would all say, thank God for the lines, yeah. right? Yeah. The lines are good even if it doesn't always feel good. Why? Because it's not about the lines, it's about the life. The reason I love the line is not because the line is so great, but the line shows me the way of life. It keeps me in a way that leads to life. And here we find Jesus talking about the line or talking about the law. Now, as we talk about the law and we talk about the kingdom of God, it begs the question, what is the law in God's kingdom? Is there a law? And the answer is, yes, there is a law. Every society has a law. Every nation has a law. Even in prison, there's rules. <laughs> Even among the prisoners, there's guidelines that they follow. On the playground, there's, there's rules because life flourishes in a place of order. There, there is a right way to live. There is a right way to drive. How many of you think it would be bad if we just said, well, driving is driving. Wherever I drive, driving is driving, so I can just drive wherever I want. No, I, I would be at home. I would not be on the streets, right? And so it begs the question, what's the law in the kingdom of God? What's the line in the kingdom of God? And here Jesus is addressing that very question. Now for God's people at this time, the, the line or the law was what Jesus calls the law and the prophets. I want you to look at that text and let's kind of read through this. He says, do not think that I came to destroy, what does it say? The law or the prophets. The law or the prophets. The law and the prophets was the phrase that Jesus often used to refer to the entirety of the Old Testament. The law and the prophets. And for God's people in the Old Testament, it was the law and the prophets that governed all of life. For, for God's people in Israel, the law and the prophets were 39 books. It contained, uh, the Pentateuch contained the Mosaic law. Then there was also books of poetry, wisdom books, prophetic books. There was all kinds of books contained within that. But it was the law that governed all of their life, or the, the law and the prophets, the word of God, the Old Testament. And within that, there was guidelines for spiritual life. There was guidelines for how they should worship, where they should worship, when they should worship, what type of building they should worship in, the temple architecture, what type of pre or what type of garments, what type of garments the priests were to wear. It was all uh, guided by the Old Testament, guided by the Word of God. There was guidelines for family life: how should you marry, who should you marry, sexuality, 
Childbirth, parent-child relationships are all covered in the Word of God, the Old Testament. Economics, there was guidelines for economics. There was rules about property rights, uh, about personal property, about time off, who should get time off, when you should get time off, how you should lend money. It was economic guidelines. It also had civil guidelines. How should you resolve a dispute? Guidelines about holidays and festivals. There was even guidelines about health. Sometimes we read the Old Testament and we think, why in the world is this in here? I mean, probably none of us have ever read Leviticus 15, 13 and thought, man, I'm so glad that the Bible talks about boils. I'm so glad the Bible talks about bodily discharge. It's in there. Check it out, okay? And oftentimes we, we read that and we don't recognize this, is, this was really God's guideline for his people. Now, today, we experience it again, that there is guidelines, uh, you know, specifically around health. There's been guidelines around those things. There's guidelines uh, around all of life. And God was revealing to his people how they could live in a way that would lead them to life. Uh, How they could live in the right way, or to use the words of Scripture, a way that is righteous. That's what God was revealing in the Old Testament. How do you live right? How do you live righteously? Now here Jesus shows up, and we could think that Jesus is going to say, you know what, guys, that Old Testament stuff, that old Scripture stuff, you know, that's so old-fashioned. You know, that we kind of think Jesus may look at the Old Testament and say, you know, okay, boomer, right? Like, just dismiss you. You're so out of date. Forgive me, boomers. You're so out of date. You're so irrelevant. Come on. Guys, we got to get with the times. If we're going to change the world, as he just said, we've got to update. We've got to become, you know, more relevant to the time. And in the world that we live in, oftentimes that's what we would want to hear Jesus say. We would want to hear Jesus say, uh, you do you. Right? You live your truth. If it feels good, do it. That's what we would want to hear Jesus say, and that is the culture that we live in. That's the mantra of the culture that we live in. But Jesus does not say, you do you. He does not say, if it feels good, do it. Let me say this, he loves us too too much to let us do that. Because he knows there is a way that leads to life. There is a right way to live and a wrong way to live. And I want you to see here that Jesus, when he speaks about the law, the first thing I want you to see is that Jesus upholds the law. Jesus upholds the law. He says, assuredly, verse 18, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. That word jot is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It's, the, it's like the, the, the dotting of the I. That word tittle, I feel like I'm saying a bad word when I say that, but it is uh, the smallest stroke of a pen. Uh, it's the smallest stroke of a pen in the Hebrew alphabet It's kind of like an apostrophe in our language. And Jesus is saying, 
The, the law and the prophets, the word of God, the guidelines for living are so intact that not even the dotting of the I or an apostrophe is irrelevant. He's upholding the law. Not only is he upholding the law, but the second thing he does is he honors the law. He honors the law. He says this, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he's saying you can be in the kingdom but not experience the fullness of the benefits of the kingdom. How many of you know you can be in America but not experience the full benefits of society? You know, if you break the law, they're going to take away some of the benefits. And, and he's saying, basically he's saying there is a reciprocal relationship between your uh, adherence to the Word of God, your value for the Word of God, and the quality of life that you experience. He, he's upholding it. He's saying it's up to you if you can be least or you can be great. He, he upholds the law. He honors the law. The first, third thing I want you to see is that he expands the law. He expands the law. And you're already saying, like, this is, uh, this is not headed in a good direction this morning. He says in verse 20, For I say to you that unless your righteousness or your right living exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So he was talking about you can be in the, he in the kingdom of heaven and be the least, but now he's saying unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you're not even getting into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, that doesn't sound like good news to me. It doesn't sound like very good news. If you know who the scribes and Pharisees were, they were obsessed with keeping the law. They made rules on top of rules on top of rules on top of rules just to avoid even getting close to keeping the law or breaking the law. And Jesus says, your righteousness has to exceed their righteousness. Now here's the problem. Me. Me. Because if you knew me the way I know me, my righteousness doesn't even come close to that. Like the, the scribes and Pharisees, they're pretty righteous. They keep the law pretty well. I can't even come close to it. Bacon for breakfast yesterday, I'm out. Okay? And so I hear that. We hear that. And we say, how can we live? What are we supposed to do? We're all guilty. None of us can keep the law. Who here has ever been perfect in keeping the law? I mean, even the Ten Commandments. Do not lie. Done it. Do not steal. Did it. And even if you think you're good, Jesus in the following verses is going to say, you've heard it said, but I say to you. You heard it said, uh, do not murder. But I say to you, if you've been angry without just cause, you've murdered somebody in your heart. Who's been, who's been angry over the last year and a half? Come on, just raise your hands. Everybody, raise your hands. Come on, who's ever flown off the handle? All parents, raise your hands. Please raise your hands, okay? And he says, you know, you, you think you're pretty good. You say, well, I've never committed adultery. I'm not out there, you know, doing that sort of thing. He says, I see you. He says, you, 
If you've even lusted after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. Now close your, he- close your eyes, bow your heads. Guilty. <laughs> Guilty. And if you have not lusted after a man or woman, please stand up and fly around the room. <laughs> We're all guilty. Jesus is bringing us into this place where he's trying to lead us through the law ultimately to a place where the only thing we can say is, I can't do it. I can't do this. I'm trying my hardest. I'm working diligently. I've gotten up and, you know, tried to spend time with God and pray. I try to read the Bible, but I missed a day. And all of these things, suddenly I feel condemned. And we come to the place where we say, I can't do it. And Jesus says, you're in exactly the right place. You're exactly where I want you to be. Because here's the key phrase, unless your righteousness, everybody say your righteousness. Unless your righteousness exceeds the the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you won't enter into the kingdom of God. And my righteousness falls woefully short. But the good news is this that it is not based upon my righteousness, but I can have the righteousness of another imparted into me. I can receive his righteousness. That's why Jesus came, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Because you and I could never fulfill the law. What he was saying is, I'm coming to do through grace what the law could never do. That's why the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 4 verse 3 that Abraham, the father of our faith, believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He didn't fulfill the law. He he, he didn't keep all of the restrictions of the Mosaic law. He simply believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, if by one man's offense, that's Adam's offense, if Adam broke the law and thereby all of us became lawbreakers, rule crossers, rule, line crossers, rule breakers, if by his offense death reigned or we were under the control of death, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Jesus is saying, you're right, you can't do it. That's why you need my grace. That's why I've come to die on the cross. I paid the penalty for your sin. The Bible says this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now, you may be sitting down on the inside, but there should be something on the outside. There should be something on the inside of you that's getting up and doing a little dance, waving a hanky this morning. There should be some excitement on the inside of you. Amen? There should be some joy on the inside of you. It's what the psalmist calls the joy of our salvation. That through Jesus, we've been made righteous. Through Jesus, we give good that grace does that the law can never do. The law is good. The line is good. It's just powerless. The paint in the road can never keep you from crossing it. It it only reveals your error. And so three things I want us to see that, that grace gives us. The first thing I want you to see is that grace gives a new record. 
Grace gives a new record. Now, I've pulled some of your driving records. It's public information. (laughs) And I've found that you need a new record. To use our illustration of being pulled over, imagine if you were pulled over and not only did you know that you had broken the law then, but you knew that you had outstanding warrants. You had outstanding offenses. And you're preparing to go before the judge. And you know you're guilty. You know you've done it. You know your law-breaking ways have finally caught up with you. And you stand before the judge and he opens his book. And you expect him to say, not only are you guilty of this, but here's the list of other offenses that you are guilty of. But instead of opening his book to your offenses, he opens his book and he says, Mr. Johnson or Mr. Uh, Sprung or Miss uh, Brown, whatever your name is, he says, I'm looking here at your record and I'm not quite sure why you're here today. I I don't know why you're here today because there are no charges on the record against you. That's what Jesus has done for us. When he died, he, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, that God made him who knew no sin, that is Jesus, the only one that's lived in the lines, the only one that's been able to fulfill the requirement of the law, God made him who knew no sin to become sin, or in other words, to carry our sin, to take the penalty of our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, my record went on Jesus and he took the penalty and he took the punishment of my record so that now I can stand before the Father and when he opens the book, he says, I see you totally clear, without fault, without blemish. Aren't you glad for that? I'm so glad for that. I don't know what you did this week, but I didn't have a perfect week. And I'm thankful for the grace of God that my record has been put on Jesus so that I can have a new record. That's what theologians call justification. It literally means just as if you've never sinned, that your record of wrong has been put on Jesus. Your errors, your mistakes, the things that the enemy comes into your ear and into your mind and says, if they knew what you've done, if they knew what you were thinking, if they knew the mistakes, the past, if they knew where you came from, what would they think of you? But Jesus, and and the gospel says this, that those things have been erased. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions from us. I don't know about you, I'm thankful for that. I've got some transgressions that I'm glad they are removed. Do you know how far the east is from the west? They'll never meet. And what God is saying is when I look at you and when he looks at me, my faults and my shortcomings, the the, the swerving ways of my life where I have broken the law numerous times have been thrown away as far as the east is from the west. So number one, grace gives a new record. Number two, not only does grace give a new record, but grace gives a new direction. It gives a new direction. Oftentimes, we are content to just celebrate that we have a new record. My sin is gone. But how many of you know that it's not enough just to have the old uh, record gone? You need the old ways gone, too. 
It's not enough to just have your record forgiven. You can have a clean record and still die or still live as a wreck. But he not only gives a new record, he gives a new direction. In other words, no longer do we have to be pulled into the old ways, but we now can uh, be focused on the way that leads to life. How many of you have ever had a car whose alignment is off? And and, and it just kind of always pulls you this way or that way. And, And that was our condition. That's been our condition Maybe you feel that today. That is my condition. I just have a, I have a drift. I have a pull. There's some things that, you know, I know that they're not good for me. There's some decisions. There's some actions. There's some habits that just, it's like, oh, it's pulled. It's ingrained into the muscle memory of my soul. And I just pull. I can find myself pulled into those things. It's like, uh, you know, in the words of Lloyd Christmas, uh, tractor beam sucked me right in. It's a Dumb and Dumber reference. <laughs> we can imagine driving down the road and there's a dump truck filled with, you know, a dump truck heading towards you and, and you just find yourself pulled to that. That's what sin does. It pulls us or temptation, the flesh pulls us to things that ultimately will produce death. But here's the, the good news, that not only does God through Christ give you a new record, but he also gives you a new direction. He also uh, works out the muscle memory of our soul so that we no longer have to live life pulled towards things that will produce death. It's what theologians call sanctification. Now, how many of you know we're not ultimately where we will be? But I'm glad that I'm not where I used to be. I'm glad that the things that, that used to have a pull on me no longer have to have control over me. The Bible says this, that when we see him, we shall be like him. Let me ask you this question. Are are, are you a little more like Jesus today than you were a year ago? Are are you looking a little more like Jesus? Are the things that, um, that used to pull on you, are they pulling as much? Have you allowed you know, the flesh to pull you even more and more? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your heart? So the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16 to 17, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. Listen, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds, I will write them. In other words, it's not just, oh, I hope I don't get caught by the police. There's something now on the inside that, that says, I, I don't want to go that way. I, I'm not just trying to get as close to the line as I can, but now I, I love to live in the way that is right. As the psalmist says, I delight to do your will, O God. I love following you. It's better to live this way than that way. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't still have to fight those things, but it does mean that the greater desires of our heart are for God, are for the things of God. You know, sometimes people say, I find myself, you know, struggling with sin. And I say, good. As long as you're struggling, good. (laughs) If you're not struggling, it may mean that you've just given over to it. You've just let it have its way over you. But if you're struggling with it, if you're fighting things, it means God is at work to perfect you, to transform you, to make you more 
like Jesus. It's like those cars that have the, you know, automatic, I don't know what they call it, but it's like it keeps you in the lane. If you go out of the lane, it gives you a little beep. Who knows what I'm talking about? That's what God does to us. No longer is it just, you know, if the police catch you, now it's beep, 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 beep. Oh, uh, I'm going the wrong way. I start, you know, you lose your temper with your wife. Beep, 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 beep. Not me. I've never done that. Just making sure Jen's still in kids. Yep, good. She's over there. Uh, you, you find yourself pulled. The Holy Spirit just beep, 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 beep. Get back in line. This is, the, this is the way. This is the better way. This is the way that leads to life. So he gives us a new record. He gives us a new direction. And then lastly, he gives us a new vehicle. He gives us a new vehicle. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, for what the law could not, uh, verse 3 to 4, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. That's an F word right there, the flesh, on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who is us? Those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In other words, not only does He give you a new record, and not only does He give you a new direction, but He gives you a new vehicle to take you where He's called you to go. He gives you the power of the Holy Spirit. In the flesh, you know, the flesh, if it looked like a car, it would be an old beat-up banger. It, it would be a car that's been destroyed, that's, been, that, that's not going to get us where we want to go. But in the Spirit, we have a new vehicle. And, and the Bible says this, that the, the law will be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. God doesn't only call us to follow Jesus, to live a way that is righteous, that is different from the world around us, but he gives us the power to get there. And here's the good news. You will get there. You will get there. The Bible says this, that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of salvation. In the words of Bart Simpson, are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. But we will get there. The same grace that saves you, the same grace that washes you, the same grace that restores you, that transforms your mind, that transforms your habits, that transforms your language, that transforms the atmosphere of your house, is the same grace that will carry you all the way to where God has called us to live in the fullness of the kingdom of God. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. God's promise for you is sure, and he's given you the power of the Holy Spirit to get you where he's called you to go. Aren't you grateful for that this morning? Let's give the Lord praise this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to ask you if you would just to stand to your feet. Kendall, you can come back up.